podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. In this episode, Kate Winslet and Liam Hemsworth are seemingly the same age. Daniel Day-Lewis delivers shock horror, a great performance, and many, many more sartorial delights. Welcome to the show. Hello to his film, Her Movie, the podcast that only exists so that a couple can avoid doing housework. Yay! Actually, actually, you say that, I did housework today. So did I, but I thought it was quite a nice, funny line, so I thought I'd see it. How about it's it's the podcast so our listeners can avoid doing housework? Well, to be honest, people listen to podcasts whilst doing housework. That's it's been. Yeah, but we're giving them two films to then watch. It's true. It is true. But yes, this is his film, her movie. I'm Jordan. I'm Lauren. And we're here for another episode. Yes. And it's back to again. We're in our normal format. Uh, we've chosen a subject, a theme. And off that subject and theme, we both have to choose a film to discuss off the back of it that can link it together. Yes, we do. Yes. So what is this week's theme? This week's theme is sewing. Yes. Sounds like a little bit like with a needle and thread. Yes. It sounds like a bit of a strange theme. Not sewing oats. Not sewing oats, not sewing seeds, sewing thread. Is there a word for it? What is sewing as a trade? Tailor, seamstress. Yeah, just sewing. I don't just know. Sewing. So we've both picked two films where sewing and what well, dressmaking <clears throat> is a huge part of it. Yes, yes, it is. So we're focusing more on the dresses than on the suits. Yes, suits this time. Absolutely. And before we get into it, I just want to say that we are a podcast of Pod Syndicate. So you can go to wearepodsyndicate.com, check out some nice articles, reviews, some other great podcasts out there. Yep. And let's get into what we're actually discussing this week. Mm Mm-hmm. What is your choice for this theme? Um, This this, uh, one I've decided to pick is I have picked... The uh, Jocelyn Morehouse 2015 film, The Dressmaker, starring uh, Kate Winslet and Liam Hemsworth, to name just two. To name but a few. And I've chosen the 2017 film Phantom Thread by um, the one and only Paul Thomas Anderson. We've had a film of his before on this podcast. Did I like it? Nope. Okay. (laughs) It was The Master with Joaquin Phoenix. Where it was about cults in Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember that one now. <laughs> There's maybe been many films. There has been. <laughs> well, we're, close. we're closing in on 50 at the moment. So I which think means that we've watched over 100 films. For this podcast, yes. Yeah. So, which is quite good. It's quite nice, that. It is. And it can be a nice little round number. Yes. But we might as well get into the show. Which film do you want to 
Talk about first. Well, I want to talk about mine first because we watched mine first over the weekend and you have been saying about how much you want to talk about my film. <laughs> yes. Okay, so what's it time for? Her movie. It is time for her movie. So we will have a clip and we will get back. For Molly, a few rides, eh? Suit her if I fell off. Don't be ridiculous, Molly. If I'd wanted to kill you, I'd break your neck. Everybody knows that. You moved. Yeah, I don't know. True killer would have cost Dungatar the grand final. So why didn't you? Nah, I decided you didn't come home to help us win the grand final. I reckon you came home for one of two things. Bloody revenge or me. Just so you know, both aren't out of the question. Pick you up Saturday at eight then. Footballers dance. I'm busy. Well, what about tonight? We'll go to the Winyard Pictures. Oh, what's on? Sunset Boulevard, Gloria Swanson. Still busy. Doing what? Staring a cauldron. But I'd love to go. <laughs> so, uh, like we said, this is the 2015 Jocelyn Morehouse uh, film, The Dressmaker. Set in Australia, the, the, the four top billing people are Hugo Weaving, Liam Hensworth, uh, Kate Winslet and Judy Davis in the, uh, the cast. Mm-hmm. I decided to pick this film because I have seen it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It stood out to me for a few reasons. So like the main thing about this is that um, Tilly, who's played by Kate Winslet, comes back to her hometown. She was taken away when she was a young girl. It's a very t- poor town and she's came back and she's like this glamorous person, but there's a bit of a backstory. A mystery. A mystery behind why she was taken away and... Why um, she's back. Why she's back. and So you, you, you get... It, it kind of covers a lot of different genres. Um, But yeah, I, I love this film... Because it's got a bit of trash in it. It's got a bit of a love story. It, it's, it's got a bit of revenge. It's got a bit of murder. It's got a bit of a mystery in it. But there are a few people die. Always good. Actually, mo- most of the deaths in this are not nice deaths. No. Either. Um, but when I was watching it, I... I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a humble brag when we first do this. I watch this on our old TV. Yeah. We've since then got a fancier TV because that's what Jordan wanted last year. So he ordered us a new fancier TV. So seeing it on this TV, I found that you could see the richness of the colours more. And <clears throat> when you see at the start when Tilly comes home... um. Everybody who lives in that town, they all dress in the same. I've sort of like the bleak. It's basically neutral. Everything's lines. neutral. Everything's neutral. Even things that are dark are still kind of a, a dusty dark mm. to very much go with um, how everything around them looks. And then Tilly arrives and she has silks and velvets and beautiful, rich colours, and it's the stark contrast. Against that, the um, there's a scene, and it's the end scene where she's walking down the hill, mm. 
Um, I don't really want to do spoilers because I think it's a fun film for people to watch. But um, she's in this amazing uh, black outfit with this funky black hat. And it's just that image of her walking down the hill with the red silk billowing out um, from her mum's house. I just find the contrast of that against the backdrop of the outback to be amazing. Yeah. I love it. And yeah, um, I want to know what you think of this film <laughs> because we went shopping on Sunday and you were like, I can't wait to talk about your film. And I'm like, oh my God, we just what? And you won't tell me anything about what you say. And all I keep on thinking is he's either going to mock me so badly for watching this film and liking this film or I've converted him. So what is it? Is it mocking or conversion? It's- now, it's going to be interesting talking about this because there's just so many fascinating things about it, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> as you mentioned, yes, it has, it starts off as this low key mystery. It's got a little shred of dark comedy in it. Yeah. But then things happen. And it goes off into so many different directions that it practically gave me whiplash whilst watching it. (laughs) But everything is then tied up in a neat bow at the end. But, yes. However, and I think, I I love the opening. Yeah. Like, even in the opening scene when Kate Winslet gets off the train and she's like, I'm back, you bastards. Yeah. Sets up a great vibe. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I mean, I'm really in on this. This is going to be a fun movie. And even with the introduction scene to the townsfolk with the golf and you're getting to see all these different characters. Because it's a very, very... I don't even want to say it's a town. It's like a hamlet. Well, yeah. It's incredible. There's like maybe, what, six or seven, maximum eight different families yeah. that we see. And, and that's it. And it's like, it's you feel like it's going to be this whodunit mm-hmm. in a way. So you get this small group of characters together and what we're going to do throughout this film, film is be introduced to each one of them, find out each one of them's what, basically maybe a bit of their past and things like that. Yeah. And then find out at the end as who is the culprit of this mystery. Mm-hmm. So, and that's it. So we, we, we find out all these, the townsfolk, and yeah, you're like, oh, I kind of like the look of that character. I can't wait to discover more about them. Yeah. But nothing really happens with them. You find out more about Trudy. It is true, but it's... And you find out more about um, Lean Hemsworth and his brother, because as well, I think the issue is that they were the people who were kids at the time. Yeah, yeah. Who were more witness to it. We can get on to that in, in a little bit regarding the kids at the time stuff. But yeah, but it's like, <clears throat> it's like the doctor... Is it the age difference? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, carry on. Sorry, the doctor. Yeah, the doctor where he seems really creepy and really nasty and yeah but we don't really find out why you find out that he's beating his wife and mm-hmm. hiding it up because he, he has the ability to do so because he's a doctor he's a man of god and i would have loved to have been have a little bit more with him and understand the reasonings for that mm-hmm. and there is other characters within this and yes the there's multiple people, but it's not a huge cast. And and I'll, and I'll get into onto my point regarding that as well. But it's it's that 
it's just all over the place and and I mean that truly it is all over the place and th- th- there's moments within it that like dramatically mm-hmm. the film doesn't feel like it deserves okay um and it's why I find it hard to say that basically do I like this film or do I not like this film because I'm still you still don't know undecided on whether I really liked it or I really didn't and you don't really get films like that nowadays well you know, you don't really get that fi- films like that in general. Yeah. But that is just so on the fence of, okay, is it is is what it's doing entertaining or is it sloppy? See, yeah, I get it. I think I think the reason for that is because we see everything very much more through Tilly's eyes. Yeah. So um, like I've I've watched this a couple of times before before we sat down and watched this. So I think the, when you when you see it again, there's there's not fe- there's a couple of little bits where people are talking and Tilly's not around or her mum's not around, mm. but everything kind of happens in the aspect of what Tilly knows. True. So I kind of got the whole thing that she knows. The, the doctor's awful because you get the flashback of her calling calling her mum a slut and all kinds of nasty things and everything. So she knows that he's bad and she will probably have heard of her mum. He's not a nice guy and he beat his wife because her, her mum Molly keeps on, says, you know, oh, I remember when, you know, your wife, she used to have, uh, she used to walk into a lot of doors. Yeah. And uh, door handles and things like that and have lots of fallings over and because he's because he's really old he's now got a humpback and she's like all seemed to stop as soon as you got that humpback didn't it so it, it kind of goes on that so it's you kind of get the i always got the impression that tilly will have seen that when she was younger she would have mm. seen the black eyes and she would have seen the bruises and she would have known where they come from and yeah. that's um but we don't see more because we don't know why. Because she wouldn't have been around when it first started. Yes. She's not going to know them well enough. Yeah. And the reason is we only know a little bit about like that character because her mum is friends with his wife. But we don't even find out much about his wife. We don't find out much about the school teacher except for what Tilly either reads in the police report or what she knows through her experiences. And I don't feel like that comes across very well because obviously you found it hard, but I think that's what it is. You know what she knows. Well, the thing is, and it does, and I think it's where it has issues with the script because obviously it's adapted from a novel. Yes. And you'll probably get all that backstory within a novel, but you yes. don't get it within the script. But yeah, it's, it's all to do with intention for me with this. It's if the director, if Jocelyn Morehouse wanted to have this crazy over the top with its tongue firmly set in its cheek vibe mm-hmm. then yeah i can completely understand that in a and get the enjoyment in a sort of a, a midnight screening cult kind of way yeah however if it's not what she's going for then i think it's just a mess so you think if she's going for the over the top and going for the over the top and going for literally, you've got, as you said, you've got different genres there, but you've got different genres 
from scene to scene. Mm-hmm. It is so jarring at points, especially with a huge dramatic moment. And it's like, and even with, for example, yeah, you, Tilly comes back to find this mystery, digs into it a little bit, and the film forgets that it's actually a mystery for 30 minutes. <laughs> then comes back to it and then something happens and then the next 40 minutes is an absolute slog and is so it's a it's a really weird experience to watch because at times i was infuriated and at the times <laughs> i was cheering i think as well i think it's hard for you because you look at films in such a different way yeah and but you are more critical whereas because I don't think in the same way as you, I just watch it and go, oh, I like that. But the, the, I don't look at it in the same way. Yeah, and it's... It screams of... It should either be a tight 90-minute revenge dark comedy mm-hmm. or it should be a, a, a three-hour epic or a mini-series where oh, we... I think it'd be great as a mini-series. But that's what I think. It's like, so each episode is... Like, you'd is a character mm-hmm. so therefore you discover all about these characters you can have flashbacks to whatever to the event of what they were doing but also <clears throat> what's happening now with, yeah. with Tilly and I think that would have enriched the story a bit more where there was parts where I was like I would rather know a little bit more about the townsfolk than have a love story between Kate Winslet and Liam Hensworth because that was rather damp and a bit yeah, that wasn't great. I think I think they had. I think looking at it, they've got all like the big stars from Australia, and I saw this. I can't remember where I'd originally seen it. I saw it on I don't know Netflix or streaming yeah. or something. I so I didn't see this in the cinema, yeah. but I could understand why they put him in it because for us, if we see something like Hugo Weaving in, we'll be like, he's great. We'll go and see this. Younger people probably wouldn't. He is the draw for the younger audience. It, 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 but, it, but he but is it, also younger than I am. But yeah, and that's what it feels like. And it feels like not it's not only between those two, because if I'm not wrong, within the film, they're supposed to be the same age. Like I think I, she's meant to be a little bit older. But but, but, but it, we're at school at the same time. Yeah. So she I'm thinking when she left school she was ten. I'm thinking he's maybe supposed to be about six to so, seven. Maybe, but is it, but, but I don't mind about the age gap. If there was an age gap that's in within the story, so if they were supposed to be twenty years apart, then I don't mind that at all. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just when you're trying to sell Kate Winslet is or or Liam's Hensworth as either Liam's Hensworth is mid forties. Or Kate Winslet as mid twenties. Yes, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it doesn't no. look right. And no. it, it's not even with those. It's so with the other characters, like the woman who plays Gertrude, is obviously way younger than Kate Winslet, but mm-hmm. they were supposed to be in the same class. Yes. It for me, it feels like obviously it's, it's an Australian production. I mean, it's got loads and loads of um, producing credits on it, and loads of companies. So obviously, it was it was an independent, mm-hmm. funded film. It looked like they've got a cast together that they could, and they realised that they could get Kate Winslet, knowing that she's probably not the right person for the role. Yeah. But because they can get her, they've got her. And it's another her. draw. And it's another draw. To get people in, because 
I don't know how popular this film was. I, I, see, I can't remember it at all, so I don't know even if it's screened in the UK. It might have been a big thing in Australia. It, yeah, and if it has, then maybe it's helped get more money for them to be able to make something more appropriate. Well, not appropriate, but more realistic. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I you, you don't know if Kate Winslet maybe had a hand in it and they've then offered her it, or it's maybe been... Because we always sort of read about how there's actors who read a book and they absolutely mm. love that book. And they're like, it, it, it's like Ryan Reynolds with Deadpool. He loved the comics and look at how long he spent trying to get Deadpool made. Yeah. And he was like, I got Deadpool made, but I'm going to play Deadpool. I yeah. am go-. And he is the perfect Deadpool. And I think Kate Winslet would be perfect in this. But again, it is the surrounding, it so is cast- the cast of her peers yeah. that doesn't match Whereas the cast of the older people does. does absolutely, 100%. And that's it. And it's, but again, it is jarring when you're watching it. It's like, you just don't... It's hard to compute. No, It's not hard to compute the age difference because that's fine. It's just the fact that they're trying to represent people at certain ages when they're not there. Yes. So there's that. There's also that... I mean, we don't really want to get into spoilers, but the... The reasoning behind the death, as we find out, I thought was really dumb. It is really dumb, but at the same time, I can also kind of understand it. Like, again, I don't want to get into spoilers. The person who died doesn't seem like it was a very nice person. Oh, no. And when they died, they... But it, but it, it comes out of nowhere. Like, that, that, the thing that what happens is, like, somebody says something, but it's right there. Like, it's, it's not really foreshadowed anywhere, so it doesn't... It is foreshadowed. It is. Right from the start, you find out that she's innocent. Very from Right from the start, but you don't know. Yes, sorry, I don't mean that. I'm, I'm talking about, like, the whole... Yeah. That comes out of nowhere. Like, you don't see that before, and it's like, well... It, it, so it, it seems was included it, in a flashback. Yeah. Before. It, it seems like an easy way out. And also, one of the most infuriating characters within the film, and I don't understand motivations within at all, is Gertrude. Oh, Trudy, yeah. Like, she she helps, and she loves, then she loves Tilly, because she gets a couple of dresses made. Yeah. And then he's hit her straight away. Like, I... Oh, I totally, I, I get it. I completely understand that character. Completely understand that character. She is an outcast of the whole it, it, it's it's the mean girls thing it That's is literally true, the mean girls thing she is the outcast tilly comes in she makes her the popular girl and they're but therefore to be able to stay the popular girl that oh, always has play. to be an outcast that is actually fair play so I, I, I do take that on that's absolutely fine but as you mentioned like i do like the imagery that it does present to you it's like because we've got the outback and we've got the sort of the dead land and then you've got the sparks of colour of like you have a, a scene where the mirror tree it's a mirror tree but it's the, but you get the scene when it sort of cuts forward a little bit and everybody's wearing one until he just dresses around the town mm-hmm. and it looks so odd but it is striking it, you know, it reminds me of um, <clears throat> I'm sure there's been uh, there's been um, a few different oh, oh my god I can't remember the designer now but they did this whole a thing where uh, they have people uh, as a backdrop against like the rainforest or something right and they had all everybody come out so the rainforest was all one colour 
like all the greens and everything. So they completely stayed away from that green. Mm. So then everything else just stood out so much against that and it looked amazing. Um, my, one of my favourite shots is um, at La Salon opening and um, you have uh, the seamstress that the mayor's brought in. Yes. And all the women in there and chatting away. And um, the mayor's wife is, you can just see her through a couple of doors behind the scenes, just just taking shots of her tonic. And I just love the fact that you see the brightness of the room that everybody else is in and then just the dark, depressing sort of area that the uh, that the mayor's wife is in because it's all that, like that 70s brownie yellow colour. Yeah, I think it's set in the 50s, isn't it? It is set in the 50s. But it's like that sort of colour. But then the front room's like full of pinks and reds and creams and whites and everything. And it's so different. Um, but yeah, there's that. And it's the whole... There's a lot of imagery. Like there's a, there's quite a few f- fires in this. Like the phoenix rising anew. There's a fire as soon as Tilly gets mm. into town. Where she's clearing out her mum's um, house. Because her mum's on the top of the hill. And her mum is a big social outcast. Her mum's got like dementia or something. And it's like, right, they're burning everything that her mum doesn't, to, to get all the rubbish out. And it's like, okay, as soon as the next day, it's like, right, new, get out in the town. Have a, your mum's going to have a bath. You're going to be a new woman again. It's the rebirth that I really like. Yeah. Um, love the costumes in this. And Kate Winslet looks, just looks she amazing. Does. I mean, like, all the women in this, when they get into these dresses, just look amazing. Yeah. And you just think, middle of that heat in the desert, corseted for your life, because none of those dresses look comfortable, but they look amazing. And all I could think of when she was cleaning out that house was how many huntsman spiders are hiding in there. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I would just set the house on fire and start again. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, that's basically basically my thoughts, and also like it's it's so strange to have in the same film you've got a kind of a brutal death, mm-hmm. a comedic death, yeah, and some really shocking violence like that comes out of nowhere as well. I'm just saying it is it's just so blotchy that again. Some of it I found entertaining. Some of it just baffles my brain. I think you've I think you've got to look at it in the same way that you maybe would look at parts of Rocky Horror. Parts of Rocky Horror, you look at it and you're just like, oh, didn't expect that to happen. I think you've got to look at this film in the same sort of way. I think if you go into it with a very... Uh, you're not going to look at it in any kind of critical way. You're like, I'm going to watch this film and I'm just going to have fun with it. Mm. Um, I think... It's a good, it's a good sort of film that way. It's not suitable for children in any way, no shape or form. But if you like fire and good um, costumes, and Hugo Weaving uh, seems to love a good dress up. Yeah, and like Hugo Weaving's got a, a sort of a weird arc as well because it seems big, but he's barely in the movie. To be honest, we could talk about this film forever. Yes! <laughs> it's, it, it, I it's, have brought you one of those films, finally. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one for sure. And the thing is, it's one that I would definitely recommend to watch just because 
I don't know if I like it or not. It's one of those things like, watch it and make up your own mind. Hugo Weaving in his sparkly matador outfit. Yes. Love it. Which is, again, is played off hugely comedically. Yeah. But then it's against the scene that's really dramatically heavy. And it's like, it's... It is. It's so weird. (laughs) I am so pleased. I finally brought you a film that you don't go, Lauren, this is like literally like trash. (laughs) (laughs) I've brought you something that has stretched your brain. I think that is possibly the first time I have ever done that for you. (laughs) Have you anything else to add? Um, Yes, I have got... My little trivia bit. So, with this, there's a the silo, because there's like all the silos. Yeah. They had 300 mice for those scenes. Really? 300, which would just creep me out. Okay, I have found a bit, by the way, that um, it was a much bigger hit in Australia. Um, It was the most nominated film at the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts in 2015, um, which had 12 nominations and it actually beat Mad Max Fury Road as that only had 11 nominations. So it had that. And then the final thing that I thought was um, quite interesting was that Kate Winslet actually learnt to sew Okay. For this part, and the sewing machine that she uses is a Singer. It's a Singer two hundred one K two, and um, at the time that this was uh, filmed, set, they would have cost up to six months' um, wages for a working woman to be able to buy them. But they're still used to this day, mm. so they're still seen as being um, one of the best sewing machines that you can ever get but it's just I love I love the gold the the, the gold singer on the black machine yeah, yeah, yeah. they look like they weigh an absolute ton but they they look like they're the sort of thing where they would just keep going and going and going yeah. as long as you can keep them oiled and replace the parts that's the kind of thing that would just it'll outlast the apocalypse <laughs> all right you're so we might as well move on to my film so what's it time for film yeah it's time for his film and we will be back after a short ad break and a clip cs3p combat player one choose your character tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement player two choose your character while you're in luck round one fight Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. But anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com, also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I'm just just getting confirmation. It's just in. That's the third time though. I mean, am I, is this on? Good morning. 
morning. What would you like to order? <clears throat> A Welsh rabbit. With a poached egg on top, please. Not too runny. And bacon. Scones. Butter. Cream. Jam. Not strawberry. No. Raspberry. What else? Coffee or tea? Do you have lapsang? Have a pot of lapsang, please. Good choice. And some sausages. And some sausages. Show me. Will you remember? Yes. So I said at the beginning, my film is Phantom Thread, the 2017 Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And it is the story of Reynolds Woodcock, mm-hmm. who is a designer in post-war Britain. Who, he has an atelier. He has an atelier. Um, he seems to be a very fancy, very sought-after dressmaker. Mm-hmm. And after ending a relationship, he goes to the country He's in a sort of a nice quaint seaside tea room where he meets Alma, uh, who then moves to London with him as his muse and lover. So you've got Reynolds, Woodcock is played by Daniel Day-Lewis, and you've got Alma, who is played by Vicky Cripes. And yeah, it's a story of love and a story of power and about change and about compromise. And the next thing I'm about to say, please imagine it with, do you know the Marks and Spencer's ad? It's yeah. not food, it's M&S food. Yeah. It's basically, there's prestige pictures and then there's Paul Thomas Anderson prestige pictures. <laughs> you sound like... <laughs> So stuck up. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it's a story of splitting the human from the genius in 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 every different way. So however messed up and weird that may be, and how that's done, um, and it's about letting go to find happiness, whatever happiness is to those characters. Okay. So and I have a different theory what this there film is about. Are. And it's not a massively original <clears throat> story because there's plenty of films out there about so-called brilliantly talented people being broken. But this is why casting somebody like Daniel Day-Lewis is such a, a masterstroke because he brings out so many different levels which are unspoken mm-hmm. in his mannerisms, in his looks, in his pauses... And like Daniel Day-Lewis as Woodcock paints this like perfect picture of this deeply complex, deeply troubled man. Mm-hmm. And and it's, it's a cliche to say that 
Daniel Day-Lewis gives a great performance, but he really does. And and it's because he's got this instant magnetism about him and it's about his presence. And when he's on screen, he demands your attention and and he's earned that over the years. He's earned that attention because he is so, so watchable. Like when you, you know you're not watching... A Daniel Day-Lewis performance because every single Daniel Day-Lewis performance is different and, mm-hmm. and that's why he is so enigmatic and mysterious and and sought after and yeah and because you always know he's going to deliver something complex and something intense and something crafted but I mean we've, I can get more into specifics about sort of the film and things but what did you think about it because you obviously hadn't seen this film I had never seen this film I think it's very interesting about how you said this film was about X I actually felt that this film was more about um a social uh socially accepting of um abusive relationships Mm -hmm. um all the way through this so he he meets Alma and he sort of woos her and brings her back to London and everything um, and then she is literally at his beck and call. So to begin, to begin with, she is just his plaything, his living doll. There's yeah. nothing else to her. Um, and as she gets to know him more and he has more of his depressive episodes and everything, she realises um, more and more about this man. And as, she, as he lets her in, she falls more in love with him. But... Again, I kind of saw that, uh, that, but then as soon as he is better, and she's like, he normally lasts one or two days. As soon as he's better again, he's like, nope, go away. Keep your arms up. He's very gaslighting of her. Okay. And, like, brings her forward to keep her keen. It's like the treat, yeah, treating mean to keep him keen kind of thing. Let's her in and then pushes her away and then lets her in again and pushes her away to the point where... She does something that I don't want to give away the spoilers. Where I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, and, and I think. And that, I, do you know what I mean? And well, then, yeah, yeah. I, and I was like, okay, right. So she's she's done that. That's fine. Um, my thing, uh, which I was like, okay, right. Well, that's awful. What she's done. My thing was that at the end, she does it again. But he's fully accepting mm-hmm. of it. And she basically says, you need to lie down for a bit. And when you get... And let me in. And then when you can get back up again, um, <clears throat> you'll be softer or something. Basically saying that he needs to be taken down a peg or two. Mm-hmm. And so this is what she's going to do. And he just smiles. And he's just like, I completely accept that. And yep, that's fine. I'm just like... You could die. This is not a good thing. Oh, no, it's absolutely not. It's an absolutely. It's a. It's a crushing sort of profile of a very troubling relationship. An incredibly troubling relationship that I just I found very very interesting to watch. Like I did. I enjoyed the film. I like it. Um, but then they are upper middle class people. They are have got a beautiful big townhouse in London. They cater to all the well-to-do people. Um, And the reason why they can get away with this is because 
He's seen as the mad genius. He's wonderful at his work. He can do this and he can do this. So you'd expect him to treat people badly and for him to be rude and to have a muse every a new muse every six months or whatever. Where he's basically bringing these women in and then discarding them when he gets bored of them. But the worst thing is he's not even discarding them. He's not being open and honest. He's getting, I don't know, is it his, his sister, sister? Yeah. to do it for him? And when they're sitting at breakfast and she's like, oh, do you want me to get rid of uh, Joanna? Was yeah. the original music. I'll get rid of Joanna. I'll just ship her off to the to the country for a little bit. Or you go off to the country for a bit. When you come back, she'll be gone. Yeah. This is a routine that has consist- has obviously worked for years. And he is allowed to do that because... He is a mad creative genius. And that's it. I think is Woodcock is this man of routine and of privilege and he has a specific way of working. You've got uh, Cyril who plays, Leslie Manville plays his sister who is saying like he has to do things this way to create. He, mm-hmm. he is that sort of an artist. I like then how Alma goes. I just think he's being fussy, and I was like, "Agreed, love, agreed." And that's it. And that's because Alma breaks that, and Woodcock reacts, and Alma challenges him with him saying, "Like he's just fussy." And over the course of the film, that Alma, you you see it. She's very slowly, very slowly manipulating. And saying, right, he's used to live. He's used to live in this sort of way, mm-hmm. but he is not anymore because it's not good for him. I don't know. If people say you live, live your own life, but again, she can see the cracks, and she sees him because he's saying, "I'm strong." In, in there's a conversation in front of her, like a lovely fire. Mm-hmm. Where she says, I think you're acting strong. I actually don't think you are the person that you present. Yeah. And Alma definitely gets beneath the skin of him. Mm-hmm. And yes, he does react sometimes badly because she challenges the status quo of it all. But that's what needs to happen. And I guess she does that as the plot thickens in the second hour of the film. And it gets a bit darker with some of the themes. A lot darker. It... It opens up so many different avenues. I mean, this was one of my favourite um, scenes within the film. And it was one of my favourite things to watch within within movies is minutia. Mm-hmm. It's seeing what goes into things like the dressmaking. And the film does that in this, like, whilst delivering a quite a, quite a great scene. It's when Woodcock and Alma have their first date and he takes her back to... His house, yeah, and then goes up to his workshop and he's fitting her for a dress, and it's all kind of playful, kind of romantic. The sexual tension, mm-hmm. and then Cyril comes in, and the entire mood of that scene changes, yeah, so so drastically, and you realise that when Cyril walks in, it's as if she's walked in on them having sex. Yes, because it's such an intimate act being fitted for... Yeah, and she's there, and she's there judging her when she's doing the measurements, and even the look on Alma's face, like, whilst he's fitting her and whilst he's measuring her, it feels like he's violating her, Mm -hmm. and you get a bit of 
conflict through saying, well, he's, he's basically saying, stand how you were before. And she's like, I am. And she's like, no, straight. And it's like, oh, we didn't say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You feel like she's the first person in a long time to actually not take any of his shit. And I love the arc of Alma because she comes in and she seems to be innocent and childlike. And she becomes, in essence, the antagonist of the piece. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. But you always sort of understand her motivations, even though what she does with those motivations is questionable. However, yeah. within the dynamic of that relationship, it seems to work because within that final scene, when she she's doing something in mm-hmm. full view, and it's it's even stuff like when he says, "You we find out that." He hates butter. He hates but- too much butter. Yeah. And she plucks it in loads of butter. She, but, but, yeah, she does. But in previous scenes, like again with the asparagus, when um, they have the first sort of major conflict, major mm-hmm. argument, like she cooks it with butter. But that's just her trying to change the, his ways. Yes. But quite subtly and quite. It, 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 it is sort of like programming. Uh, yeah, and I get that. They are like a functioning bad relationship. Bad relationship. Like, every, like he gets. Oh, and you know what? I'm so ashamed of my gender when they go off and like, I want a relationship like Joker and Harley. No, you don't, because yeah. that is a horrific relationship. There is nothing good about that relationship in any way, and that is like one extreme. I feel like this is the more realistic version hmm. of what it is. Um, the other thing is his his obsession with his mother. Well, there is an obsession with his mother, but then there is a oh. lovely scene within it where, like, you see that obsession go. And but it's it's not no no, it's not it's not that it goes. It's the fact that his muses, including Alma. Are reincarnations of his mother. Pretty much. Yeah. So he just married his mother. It's a full Oedipus complex, but slightly more modern day. They're the same similar builds. Um, they are similar colourings, uh, similar features and everything. Um, and they both... But again, they, get- they, they then literally, like, they then feed his whims like you would... A child. Yeah. And that's it. But I think what about... Yes, it is. I think it's an abusive relationship. However, unlike, say, the Joker and Harley relationship, where Joker is obviously the manipulator, mm-hmm. both people within this relationship have the power. Oh, gosh, yeah. They're both as bad as each other. So, so therefore, it, it's... it's it, yes, it's abusive, but it's abusive both ways. And it's acceptive... In both ways, because it's sort of like he knows that Alma needs to bring him down and make him weak mm-hmm. for him to get his perspective back. But she then understands that he needs to have his space and some sort of his own power to create. Yeah, and it's it, I really it's a, you could write theses on this movie. Oh God, yeah, you definitely could. You but definitely could. You all these. All these sort of 
unseen levels, but even on top of that, and like all this under the surface and intrigue going on, but it's also a bloody beautiful film to look at. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. I, I love the palette of it. It's very winter. It's very cold. Mm-hmm. The colors are very subdued, and mm-hmm. um, the use of natural light is just incredible. Um, and, and Paul Thomas Anderson was acting as his own cinematographer on this mm-hmm. um, because his longtime collaborator was actually had a schedule different difficulty. So yeah, he's absolutely beautiful. Again, costumes. I know these films are about dressmaking. Um, what we're talking about, but it doesn't go unnoticed that some of these costumes are unreal. They're very, they're very avant garde. They're yeah. very yeah. Very but, but even style. but even like Woodcock's like his style is mm-hmm. so very much of that time what else have we got um you can tell that it's shot on film yes you can tell the grain is gorgeous and yeah it it, it doesn't feel necessarily structured normally it, it's got a wistful nature about it which which i really enjoy and, and, and it works because when the plot does thicken as we've talked about in that second half of the movie and the relationship and the con- uh, conflict between Woodcock and Alma um, progresses and develops, mm-hmm. you get to see the arcs of both of those characters so well th- um, stretched out. Mm-hmm. And you get to see the good times and the bad times. Like one of my favourite scenes within the movie is when Woodcock makes this dress for um, a woman who has given a lot of money to the oh, house but obviously yeah, he's he doesn't married. but he, he obviously doesn't really want to make him her just because rightly or wrongly she isn't the right sort of a woman for her for his for his design yeah. for his eye for his whatever and then when he goes to the wedding and sees her blind blind drunk, drunk passing out being sort of embarrassing they basically go and say I want my dress because my, my, my dress is better than you and oh, yeah, it's it's such a massively like yeah, it's so rich, yeah. rich visually, rich subtextually. It has so much going for it. And this film made sense, then Jordan. This did. This film did make sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, but hopefully it was meant to be Daniel Day Lewis's final role. Mm-hmm. I said meant to be. It still is. He hasn't been on another, pro- but. I hope he does come back because he's just too good. And he's not even that old. Like, he has, if he wanted to, at least a dozen more great performances in him. So hopefully somebody can actually tempt him into acting again because there is nobody like him. There's nobody who demands the screen and demands attention as much as him. But yeah, it's not as fun as The Dressmaker. No. But it definitely has its qualities. Yes, it's definitely more of a relaxed film. It is. And yes, I love the vibe. And Johnny Greenwood score is unreal. I mean, obviously, he's been working with Paul Thomas Anderson since There Will Be Blood. But this is his most traditional score, and it is just gorgeous. Hmm. I think that's it. That is it. Long episode this week, but I think we had a lot to talk about. We did. And I think, other than that, as always, Apple Podcasts reviews, go to We Are Pod Syndicate, check out all the other shows, give them reviews. Give everybody reviews. Go give us a follow on our socials. And 
Do you know what? Just have a damn good time. Yes. And it's nearly time to put up the Christmas tree. It is nearly time for Christmas. I'm going to do that tomorrow. Yes. Whilst I work. (laughs) But no, other than that, have a good one and we will be back next week. See you next time.